Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead, and we'll come to that. And this is your weekly podcast exploring the lives of the great poisoners, macabre murders, and captivating crimes from across the centuries, and creating curious cocktails inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode 182. And I'm Nick. <laughs> I'm very clearly not Nick. Hello, I'm Emma. <laughs> I am standing in for Nick for this week. Nick, you've become sexier. Yes, <laughs> I have. Mm, if that was possible. So, yes, you may have noticed that that's not Nick. Last week we mentioned Nick is not well. He got a little better and then he got worse. Right up to the wire of recording this, his voice is completely gone. I jumped in and said, okay, fine, I'll do an episode. And then it was very clear that he can't leave bed. We thought, well, what do we do here? We've got a break coming up for Christmas. Thought, oh, you know who loves to do podcasts? <laughs> Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories. I do love to do podcasts. Well, is, this, is this the point to let people know that I've actually Kathy Bates'd Nick? <laughs> He's actually handcuffed my spare bed and his ankles are broken. He's not sick at all. And anytime you've been talking to him, it's actually me. It's actually you who's been yeah. texting back going, yeah. I really can't do this. I'm help. really unwell. <laughs> Emma, so I don't think there's anyone who doesn't know who you are. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, that you'll know that Emma is a good friend of ours and a podcast. Tell the lovely people about why the fuck you're here. Why am I here? <laughs> are you here? I don't really know. I'm frightened. There are a lot of kittens. <laughs> it was unexpected. I'm Emma and I'm also a podcaster. I host a podcast called Real Life Ghost Stories where, where we tell, you guessed it, Real Life Ghost Stories. Yay. So if that's your bag, come and listen to Real Life Ghost Stories. If it's not, then you're going to have to listen to me for the next hour. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, we really, really appreciate you stepping in. Better to put something out and do a nice story and have you giggle along with us, hopefully. 
We have no idea how this episode will go, by the way. So no, this is no just idea. like a, a bonusy, specially happy episode. My accent's going to come out during this when talking to Emma. I'm going to forget where I am. Emma will stare vacantly at me and yeah. then forget to speak. There will be kittens everywhere. So this this will be fun. And I did say just before we started recording, all right, Sinead, we cannot under any circumstances go on crazy tangents that go on for <laughs> an hour. And then Sinead was like, but we will. No, we will. Well, as we always ask, any poisonings this week? Oh yeah, I I personally would love to poison everybody in oh. the estate agent game. <laughs> right. Oh, we're back on that. Great, because yeah. we've had it's, weeks of it's Nick like trying Nick's to poison never people. Been away. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I want everybody to do exactly what I want, exactly when I want it, and that's not happening. So I'm finding that very difficult. Not that I'm controlling or anything, you know. Not at all. No, no, no. Uh, so I'd like to poison just the estate agency field. Great. If yeah. anyone does get poisoned in the estate agency field, Emma had nothing to do with this. This or was all uh, everything to do with banter. It. Nobody can see your air quotes, Sinead. <laughs> oh, shit. Right. <laughs> this is what's going to get us in the trial, isn't it? Yes. Did you do air quotes? Yes. Was it on air? Yeah, anyone actually saw it, though? Yeah, yeah nobody yeah, saw yeah. it. There's no evidence that it happened. Oh, um, that's so that's, that's I think, who I'd like to, uh, to poison this week. What about you? Have you got anybody you'd like to poison this week? Well, there's no one I'd like to poison. I, I mean, I do suspect you've already poisoned Nick to take over. Yes. That's what's really happening here. What happens, happens. He either fights it or you know he had well, it coming listen it's a test of how much of a man he really is <laughs> it's like spartan babies <laughs> right. in 2023 so we've gone very much in a direction of real men don't get poisoned yeah, real yeah. men can be poisoned and survive <laughs> only girls get poisoned <laughs> No, there's no one I'll poison this week, actually. It's oh. been a nice week. Well, well I had loads of spare time and then I had to write this episode. Do you also to do. want to poison Nick this week? No, he's ill and I wish him only good, happy thoughts. Nick, uh, if you're listening. We love you. We don't. <laughs> Just stir the tea. La, he did tell la, me la, when I was la, la. leaving. When I was leaving, he said that I wasn't allowed to be better than him. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I bet you he will listen this. He doesn't mm. often listen back, no. but you're listening right now, aren't you, Nick? Yeah. Seething with rage. Well, speaking of seething with rage and uh, poisoning your enemies, not really, but I think it is time for us to thank our delicious Patreon subscribers. This week we must thank Kentucky Cried Frickin'. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Instantly brilliant. Thursday Adams. Oh, Ooh. also a good one. Punch Drunk. Yeah, like that. Oh, I like this. And now I'm going to say it wrong. Gin pronounced with a hard G. So gin? Or is it gin? Oh, or, actually, oh, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know now. That's thrown me. I suppose gin would be a yeah. soft G. No, is it G? G. No, G. Gin. No, I don't gin. know. I don't know. <laughs> well, either way, we've gotten it wrong. It's almost like our career in phenomenal. F- f- fucking what? What? Our career in what? Sorry. I know um, what that is and I apparently <laughs> have a career in it. We're not good at names. No. Still, enjoy this episode. <laughs> Thank you all you delicious, sexy, sexy Patreon subscribers. We've had fun over on Patreon this week. Had a lovely story. We did a big old story about a, a duck fight that escalated. Oh, wow. I, I haven't actually you listened yet. Some lads went out deciding they wanted to worry some ducks. I mean, Back we've all the been there. <laughs> Chase them, don't really mess up the town. Yeah. But it really escalated. It <gasps> is really that what escalated. happened to the fancy duck in Canterbury? Oh, Jesus. Because have you seen that duck lately? I've I haven't. not seen the fancy that duck. That duck is dead. Oh, no, don't say that. Because it was worried to death <laughs> by some louts. <laughs> it had too many fancy hats put on its head yes, it forcibly. Did. It was Nick. <laughs> what? How long do ducks live for? 
I actually have no idea. I've never looked that up. Maybe they live for 40 years. Maybe they do. You know what I mean? Some creatures, li- like parrots, live for like loads of years. Do they? Yeah, they what, live. 20 years or something like that. Or even or more. more. They live for ages. That's how they know all the words. <laughs> the way we go. You know, some things live for a long yeah, time. But I think no, they don't. But I think parrots live for like a surprisingly long time. So maybe it's the same with ducks. <laughs> I mean, parrots and ducks are not that dissimilar. Yeah, they both have wings. They both have wings. They would probably sit on your shoulder. I imagine a duck would. <laughs> <laughs> and if well, I want any duck to sit on my shoulder, I want it to be the fancy duck. The of fancy duck would look mm. very good on your shoulder. Yeah, I like it. If you want to know what the hell we're talking about, not duck related, please consider joining us on Patreon. You get an extra episode every single week from me and Nick, as well as extra bonus content like videos, like cocktail tutorials, and also book club chat this month as we approach christmas we are getting into our festive read which is hogfather by terry pratchett everyone in the book club is enjoying that and we do a zoom chat with the members of the book club so you get to sit with me sometimes nick as well and talk about books and drink heavily on video so it's a nice place to be i would like to add that i'm actually a patreon subscriber you are i can second all of that and say that patreon is very very worth it i've never seen you on the book club I've never done the book club. I don't actually think I can read. No, you can't read. But I can listen to the episodes. And the Patreon episodes are equally as good as the main episodes. Mm -hmm. They're really good and it's so worth it. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash the poisoner's cabinet. Well, Emma, are you ready? Yes, (laughs) I think I am. To drink cocktails and talk about poison. Yes. What's the other option? Well, we could drink poison and talk about cocktails. I mean, either works for me. Whatever you want to do. I'm ready to go if if the time is right. (laughs) You're just such a good guest, aren't you? Whatever anyone wants to do, it's fine. I'll just sit over here. We're killing ourselves. No problem. I will say I am slightly concerned because (laughs) um, I don't know what this cocktail is going to be. I don't really drink and (laughs) I'm frightened. As you should be. Because the cocktail is my domain this week. It is my story, my secret ingredient, so I'm going to get something together for you. As you know, dear listeners, every week we choose a secret ingredient that is inspired by the tale that we tell, and it will flavor our cocktail of the week. And this week's secret ingredient is a diamond necklace. The most diamondy of necklaces. Famously, a mm. girl's best friend. But I I do fear that after this cocktail, diamonds will not be my best friend. (laughs) Well, we've had diamonds as an ingredient before. I had limited time, so everyone calm down. But a diamond necklace, specifically a diamond necklace. And this is a very, very important diamond necklace. Oh, Mm. I'm excited. Very fancy. I was looking around, couldn't find a lot of jewellery-based cocktails Lots that of cocktails. actually surprises me yeah genuinely yeah that we haven't already done or necklaces or stuff like that people pointed out a pearl necklace no let's not go down that route i did see that comment on instagram <laughs> and i wanted to i wanted to comment underneath it and be like well i fucking hope not <laughs> this is how it works on the show you don't know what happens in the shaky shaky break you don't know what that no, noise I is i don't know what the shaky shaky break happens and nobody can see you you two could be naked recording this for all i know well, normally we are, but I put yeah. on clothes for you. Thank you. I, I thought you'd freak out. I probably would have. I would have been surprised. Prude. <laughs> <laughs> you nerd. <laughs> but yes, with a diamond necklace, a few people had some really good suggestions. But this week, Emma, we are having a French diamond. 
Oh, that's exciting. That is actually exciting. I'm going to feel really fancy drinking this. You are. And I have the palate of like a teenager. Give me, <laughs> give me a Bacardi breezer and I'm happy. So this is this this is a challenge for you. This should have been the week. Again, I was really looking because I thought there must be some like ludicrous, ludicrous cocktail yeah. with diamond, with all of the sweet stuff and the, yes. the, the shite that you and I used to drink yes. when we were like teenagers and stuff. I actually couldn't find one. But don't worry, Emma, because I have a backup drink. Just in case you don't like this one, but I can't wait to see your I'm reaction to it. I'm actually a little it. bit excited, so yeah, let's do it. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Well, I think it is high time for us to both skip into the poisonous cabinet kitchen and shake up a storm. So we'll see you in a minute. See you in a bit. Seamless. And we're back. Hello. Hello. I'm trying my best to channel Nick. It's not going very well. No, just well. be you. You just be uh, you. Oh, no, I want to be Nick. Okay, try. It's what I've always wanted. All right. Hello, <laughs> chartreuse curtains, <laughs> show tunes. It's like he's here. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Emma, we have our drink. How would you describe it? So, looking at it right, it's a sort of a brownie orangey drink. And I know from listening to the podcast that brownie orangey drinks are generally a good thing mm-hmm. right you've had a lot of success with brown drinks yes how does it smell it smells very strong <laughs> <laughs> there are two drinks in front of emma this is the main one so we're both gonna try it you look very frightened i am frightened because it, it smells i don't know if i'm wrong but it smells whiskey-ish to me but i could be wrong all right well dive in merry right. christmas merry christmas all right right <clears throat> Okay. It's not bad. <laughs> right? But is there whiskey in it? No. Bourbon? No. Nope. Something whiskey-ish? Not really. Oh, Christ. Then I well, don't know what it I, is. I mean, you're not, you're not a million miles away, but it's not a whiskey. Brandy? Is a cognac. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not, honestly, it's not <laughs> bad. You can really taste the cognac, which is rich coming from me, because I didn't know what it was, and I named <laughs> a million other things. However, it's not strong enough that it makes me want to my own face off <laughs> I'm going to go in for a second sip I like that I think it's nice I think it, if I had a full glass of it I would be pulling my own face <laughs> off I'd be rolling around on the floor but it's not offensive like I know Nick loves a Negroni and you love a Negroni and yeah. you guys are always like it's the, it's the, the second sip you know yeah. every time I've tried a Negroni yeah. I feel like my face is turning inside out. <laughs> but I don't get that with this. Yeah, Negroni, like the extra bitter stuff that Ooh, needs to mellow no. you out is not for your palate. But this is surprisingly sweet yes, and without being chlorine. So give us some other guesses of what's in there. Something orangey. Orange juice. Yes. <laughs> oh, <it's> yes. <laughs> oh, you're so like pleased. an expert. <laughs> There's orange juice. There's a wee bit of orange juice. Okay. What else? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know what else there is. That's all. Hang on. Let's, let's <laughs> oh, hang on. I know what's in it. Maple syrup. Yes, <laughs> because you brought it. Because I brought it. Because <laughs> I had to text Emma and go, have you got any maple syrup? Can you please bring some? So there you go. So that's where the sweetness comes from. Oh, is that all that's in it? Well, no, there's there's two, three other things. Um, the third thing, there's a dash of bitters in there. Oh, okay. Yeah, but there's two other things. One I don't think you're going to get. Regret? <laughs> well, maybe after these. With a pinch of fear? <laughs> there's another citrus. Oh, lemon. Lemon. Yes. Okay. Well done. I was just naming citruses. Uh, that wasn't based on taste. <laughs> and any other guess of the most random thing you can think of that you've oh, heard on the no. show? Oh, no. I don't know. I don't know. Genuinely. Benedictine. 
I don't know what that is. <laughs> it sounds whatever it is. It sounds holy, herbally, twiggly, nice though. It's I like Benedictine. Okay, so Benedictines are liqueur made by monks. Yeah, I was going to say Benedictines monks. are monks, aren't they? Yes. Am and I going to have some sort of religious revelation after drinking this? Hopefully, hopefully wow, you will. That is so. the intention. That's why they made it. Wow, for me specifically <laughs> to have a religious revelation. This is the bottle they sent over. I had to brew up an extra uber batch and go, there's no saving her. Wow. Jesus. <laughs> so that is the French diamond. So cognac and benedictine. And then, it does taste diamondy. Yeah. grates on the teeth yes i think in cocktail <laughs> circles that's the correct term i'm really pleased with the way that came out no i think it's nice genuinely because i was afraid that that was going to be horrific for you yeah the french the french they know what they're doing i definitely couldn't drink a full one oh, Jesus, because no. i i don't drink cognac <laughs> on a regular basis but i also made you and you're under no obligation to finish these but i made you a second drink just in case this one was too brown so this second drink is a sort of a lovely pinky red color. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dive in. It's some sort of margarita. It might be, yes. So it's a version of a margarita, <laughs> but I don't know what version of a margarita it is. It is one I have made up. Oh, nice! It yes. looks beautiful. So I know you like a margarita mm-hmm. as your chosen drink. So it's a classic margarita with one little twist, based on the blood of your enemies. It is a guillotine meets a margarita. <laughs> no way. That's cool. And we all know the French loved a guillotine. They do. Yes. Yeah. So we have the French diamond and the guillotine meets a margarita, which is basically the name I made up on the spot. But that has a dash of creme de cassis oh, in it. Oh, okay. That's cool. Which is an ingredient we used on an episode a little while back where we were talking about executioners and the guillotine. And this is an area we're going to revisit this week. Oh, I love an execution. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you love a good execution. Oh, you love coming out for a good hanging, don't do. you? Yes. So we have our drinks in hand. You, we're okay with a French diamond. We'll take yes. that on a walk. Yeah, that um, was that was fine. Yeah, and we also have the guillotini margarita. To, I feel to like the French diamond us. is a type of drink where if you're battered at the end of a night and you're like, do you know, do you know what I'm going to make? <laughs> I'm going to make a French diamond and I swear it's really good. No, it's really good. It's really good. No, cognac is really good. And then you wake up in the morning and you're like, why the fuck was I making fucking French diamonds at three o'clock this morning? It does feel like a sophisticated drink if you're trying to be sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And if you get it right, it'll be lovely. But, oh God, no, don't do that at three in the morning. No, cognac never ends a night well. I used to work in a hospital and a couple of the older women used to swear to me that brandy and port at the end of a night would would leave you with no hangover. It's because you're still pissed the next day. And I was I never was sober enough at the end of the night to remember to try <laughs> the brandy and port. So we shall never That's know. That's the thing that really ruined you, isn't it? Oh, if only I'd remembered to have another shot of really hard yeah. liquor. Brandy and port. Brandy and together? Together, yeah. Together. Past, yeah. That's because you're wasted the next yeah. day. Yeah. They were in charge of people's health, wandering around, mm. neck and brandy and port. I also mm. worked in a pub in Dublin and a man came in one morning when I opened at like 10 o'clock and literally was like, throw up some brandy brandy and ports there, really. And I was like, uh, oh God, you're not okay. Now I kind of yeah. want to try it. I, apparently it is genuinely a nice drink to drink, but I can't ever imagine that it would be. No, but that's a bit like people who say red wine and Coke. Oh yeah, yeah. Is a nice drink. I know it's really popular in Spain. In certain yeah. countries, but I can't. Why would you do that? Yeah, but my drink of choice for years was Jägermeister and Diet Coke on ice. So <laughs> I have zero palate. You did drink a lot of Jägermeister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have our drinks in hand. 
Are you ready for a story, Emma? I am ready for a story. I'm excited. <laughs> now, earlier this week, Emma, we, we took a little trip to the cinema. Yes, we did. We did. And we went to see the latest blockbuster by Sir Ridley Scott. Yes, Give him did. his full title. One of the greatest directors of all time. We went to see Napoleon. Now, you do love to do a film review. Yes, I do. On your show. Now, you do horror films. Yes, I do. You have to do horror films because you're mm. a ghost story thing. Do, do give us a quick verdict on Napoleon for those who haven't seen it. I like this it. story is not about Napoleon, by the way, but there's, there's a link. Trust me, <laughs> not I, just chatting. I uh, was pleasantly surprised. I thought I was going to find it really boring. It didn't feel like three hours long, and it was very good. Mm, mm. However, I will say I've not been able to get the image of Joaquin Phoenix furiously humping <laughs> Josephine. Josephine, whoever the actress was that played Josephine from behind. It was the least. <laughs> I don't like sex scenes in cinema anyway. It makes me uncomfortable. But when it happened, I literally turned to Sinead and I was like, "What the fuck." <laughs> It's not sexy. No, it's I don't not think it's sexy. Meant to be. It's not meant to be. The actress, the look Rolling on her face, her eyes, basically, just like vacant like, look. It's with. absolutely. She's she deserves an Oscar for that yes. scene, just of conveying oh. the absolute disdain oh. for. Oh, okay, this will soon be over. But a very, very good film. I thought the battle sequences absolutely oh, amazing. And what I said to you afterwards is that those battle sequences, what they really highlight is how just gruesome i love that battle mm. was hand-to-hand yeah combat do you know what i mean if you survive the first wave of shots you're just running in to batter people yeah. it's just hideous <laughs> question though Aye. before we get into your story okay was napoleon hot in the film or what no he wasn't hot no he wasn't no are you sure yes i'm sure in the film watching it okay right let's just let's call a spade a spade and napoleon napoleon that in the film, Joaquin Phoenix, I don't find Joaquin Phoenix particularly sexy, but he's got something about him. And in that big sort of warmongering general, it's all very not okay. But yeah, he's got an air about him. See? In the film. See? And you kind of go, but then you see him shagging his Josephine and it's like, oh, this would less not be so. pleasant. No, yeah, no, no, less no. so. You know, I think that Joaquin Phoenix played him really well. Sort he of did. A sociopathic warmongerer but in a very almost endearing kind of way but, but underplayed me, it right that if you were on tinder <laughs> right i know that you're married if you were on tinder and you saw <laughs> napoleon napoleon and obviously his, I, i'm sure you have like a bio or something on tinder i don't know i'm not on tinder but it says warmongering <laughs> general are you not saying that you're going to be a little bit i'd be intrigued be if napoleon did come up i probably would swipe because i'd be like Really? Okay, interesting. Yeah. What, what? What? Where is this going to lead? Now you see, and then so, you have a chat. Post cinema, <laughs> you laughed at me when I said that Napoleon was hot, and now look, you're considering it <laughs> because there's the moral side of my brain. There's the moral side of my brain of Napoleon being a warmongering murderer. <laughs> a lot of people died, but Horrific. then also, you know, Darth Vader's hot, and he wiped out Alderaan. Darth Vader is very hot, and at the beginning of Napoleon, when the French are rushing in to blow up the English, they look like they've got Darth Vader helmets on, so tell me that's not a link. (laughs) Someone was doing the costume design going, no, it made them look like Darth Vader because people fancy Darth Vader, and now they're all just going to be horny all the way through this film. That was it. That's what set it up at the Mm -hmm. beginning. Mm -hmm. So having said, we won't go off on tangents. I was literally just about to say that. This whole not going on tangents thing has gone well. (laughs) So this story is not about Napoleon, but at the beginning of the film, and it's no spoiler to tell you this, that it features the execution of everyone's favourite extravagant queen, Marie Antoinette, who was beheaded in 1793 during the reign of terror during the French Revolution. It's the end of one regime and the coming of many, many more shenanigans. But since the lopping off of her head is firmly in our minds, I thought it was a good idea to tell the story of how Marie 
ended up on the block. And hold on to your hats, everyone, because this is not going to be a breakdown of the French Revolution. Dear God, no. No, 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 no. I do not have the energy. I do not have the time. I don't have the blood in me to do that. But we could do it. I know that Les Mis isn't technically the French Revolution, <laughs> but we could do it in song. We could do get, you to break into song at any point. Mm-hmm. That any time the story resonates with a yeah. song from Les Mis. But I will do what I can along the way. But there is a very, very famous, very fabulous scandal. A scandal that is widely acknowledged as one of the deciding factors in Marie Antoinette's downfall. And it is a tale of a con artist, of sex, of fraud, and some very, very lovely diamonds. Oh, all of my favourite things. (laughs) All of your favourite things. You love a con artist with sex (laughs) and wearing diamonds. If only Darth Vader had worn diamonds. (laughs) Have you been on my Tinder again? (laughs) I thought you weren't on Tinder. Because Napoleon's not on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's Shit. all you're doing, searching. Shit. Guys, put on a hat Some and day. crouch. Yeah. That's all you need to do. Anyway, to the story. It all starts with Louis the Fifteenth, so the previous king. His mistress, Madame de Barry. Now, Louis loved, 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 loved his mistress. She was a commoner by birth. She was a former prostitute. She was very charming and she was very talented. Knew her way around the king's jewels. Way. <laughs> Loved a pretty dress. <laughs> I like the fact that you laugh at my puns and Nick doesn't. <laughs> Nick has no soul. Nick just goes, mm, really? really? <laughs> Loved her pretty dresses and shiny things. Had a very interesting life, actually, Madame de Barry, but there's no time to go into her story now. And she was only one of his mistresses. She wasn't the lead mistress. There was actually officially a title for the lead mistress of the king. That's crazy. Mm. I mean, obviously, like we know what happened and, you know, probably still happens in some in some monarchies and whatever. How do you have the time? Oh, they have the time. How do you have the time to be running a country and then riding rings around yourself with with, with mistresses that you've mm. got? So many mistresses that they need titles. They have titles. To discern mistresses from each other. They have apartments in the palace. Oh, they have crazy. other palaces. You have to give them stuff. They just You just basically ride up and see them. And some of them you didn't even really have sex with. Some of them they yeah. didn't have sex with. They were just favour and then it was all a sort of political yeah. movement. But Madame de Barry, she was definitely someone he had sex with. And he was so fond of her. He decided he was going to create a diamond necklace <gasps> for her that would surpass all others. It would be the finest necklace wow. ever made. So he must have really loved her then. Well, she loved beautiful things and he was going to yeah. show his wealth there. And he goes to the Parisian jewellers, Beaumère and Bessange. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. There will be a lot of French in this bit. Usually we encourage Nick to do lots of French accents. Way in if you want, Emma. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's no offence here, hopefully. So this is France. Okay, you want the finest diamond necklace known to man. Okay, well, we have our work cut out for us. So the ne- necklace would take years to make to source the diamonds and these were had to be diamonds that were going to dazzle anyone when they saw them and this isn't like the the sort of necklaces even the image i've used on instagram this isn't just like a delicate sort of string of diamonds this is dripping dripping with ribbons there's ribbons in there as well randomly it contained just under 650 diamonds the full weight was 2800 carats shit it's estimated (laughs) Tassels, pendants. So you have that pendants, basically the dripping kind of like, you know, so they're dangling down and you have like 17 rows all together of all of these diamonds as big as hazelnuts, some of them, centered around like the queen of diamonds. So they had sourced the queen of all diamonds, essentially the biggest diamond 
Now, whether it was the biggest diamond in the world, there's, there's all sorts of records about what's the largest diamond ever. But they, they had something, so it was bougie, to say the least. And they finished it, polished it up, great, excellent. We have made the diamond necklace. Only one problem. It has taken so long to make that Louis XV has died. Oh, not oh. waiting for the necklace. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, he wasn't Better. sitting outside in the waiting room. Yeah. And they went like, like, someday, <laughs> one more dog. <laughs> no, he died of other things. I'm, I'm curious to know, right? I'm, I don't know if you're going to know the answer to this specific question. Who thought ribbons were a good idea to add to the necklace? I appreciate the diamonds, right? Yeah. But at what point do you go, oh, do you know, do you know what really <laughs> screams money? Ribbons. <laughs> ribbons. It's more sort of the drapery, I think, okay. at the time. And this would have, these would have been ribbons made of French silk. Oh, okay. So it wasn't, so, okay, right. That yeah. makes way more sense. <laughs> I was not... like, who designed this? A it's not just old. what they got from Card Factory. Yeah, you know? okay, right. I take it um, back so, so the ribbons would be a way of tying it as well. I'm not, a, this I'm not sure about whether they had the clasps, they had fastening mechanisms, certainly at yeah. that sort of time. But the ribbons would be part of your outfit and your dress, but it's silk. So when you look at it now at pictures, you kind of go, well, these ribbons are in. Mm. You're like, no, but these were fine, fine yeah. ribbons, lovely. It's basically just showing off we can have the best of everything, all all of it. In all this of necklace. the time. So what are the jewellers going to do with the most expensive necklace ever made in France, in the world? We'll offer it to the new king, Louis XVI. Yay! He is a lovely bride. Marie Antoinette and Marie Antoinette is famously extravagant by this stage she loves shiny shiny things wouldn't you be furious if you were the mistress who was meant to get that necklace in the first place <laughs> you'd be like I'm sorry so so you're giving my necklace to Marie Antoinette oh no way I wouldn't have it oh she was I'd be like queen or no queen <laughs> without the king to pay for it and to gift it to yeah. her officially she had no status no after that and once he died she was exiled oh no, kicked gosh. out Marie Antoinette and her did not get on when even before Marie Antoinette became queen, Madame de Barry, she had sway because she was such a favorite of the king and they fell out. This is a side note here. But Marie Antoinette didn't like her and everyone was saying, you need to make friends with her. You need to make friends with her because otherwise you're going to piss off the current king and you're going to be queen. And they didn't speak for ages until one day Marie Antoinette at the Palace of Versailles went up to Madame de Barry and just deigned her with one sentence of going... There seem to be a lot of people at Versailles today. And everyone went, oh, it's fine. They've, they've cured the rift. That's fine. She spoke to her. Yeah. And Marilyn Barry went, okay, fine. You've spoken to me. As soon as Marie Antoinette became queen, exiled her. Yeah, and Marie Get Antoinette out. is like, I'm going to exile you and look at my lovely necklace. <laughs> well, she didn't have the necklace. No, the necklace is just sitting in the jewellers. Wow. But they want to ask the king, will his new wife accept it? But let's have a little look at Marie Antoinette at this stage. So why does Marie Antoinette have this reputation of being such the extravagant queen that we all know and love her for and go, eh, what are the rumours? So she was the daughter of the Holy Roman Emperor, Francis I, and Empress Maria Theresa, who's a very imposing woman. And she's from Austria. So she's born and raised in Austria, one of about 17 million children. Not really. They had 16 kids. Oh, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Everyone had a lot of kids back then. So she was born Maria Antonia, uh, grew up in Austria, hung out with Mozart when she was a kid. Oh, nice. Nice. That's a cool fact. It is. Yeah. Not the brightest bulb in the shop in terms of her schooling. Uh, lovely singing voice. Good at playing music, very pretty. Though people would say, later scholars would remark on the people who knew her and who tutored her and said she just didn't want to learn. She was bored, mm. but she was clever. 
Yeah. And she was bright and she was charming. That was the thing about so her. So a different kind of clever, not yeah. book clever. Slow to, clever. with her yeah. reading and writing in different languages because she was just bored and she sort of, no, 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 but, but clever in another sense. But she's only ever going to be a political pawn if she is the daughter of the Holy Roman Emperor. Her mother promised her to Louis XV's grandson. Little thing here, the son would die before he got to ascension. So Louis the Sixteenth, it's a thing. Okay, <laughs> she's promised to the French royal family allegiance, France and Austria, big thing. So they have to show this gesture. She was married by proxy in April seventeen seventy. So her husband wasn't there. She had a ceremony and her brother stood in for... Shut up. I did not know marriage by proxy was yes, a thing. It is. Well, it, with the royals. Of course, it's going to happen, but he's not. He's actually busy today. He's so. busy today, so your brother's going to stand in, but you're married. You're married now. That is wild. <laughs> now, they would have an official ceremony, but she's like, I just married my brother. Don't kiss me, Jesus. A month later, she met her husband after she was officially married to him. Met him in the woods outside of Versailles, and then they had their official ceremony at Versailles. She's 14, he's 15. Normal at the time. Yeah. Nice detail about the big day. And this is from the archives of the Chateau de Versailles, obviously the palace. I've never been there. I've always wanted to go. I'm like, oh, let's go. Let's have a weekend. At the ceremony, he her wedding gift from the king in their apartments was a splendid carved cabinet containing an abundance of jewellery and precious objects. I don't know what the objects are. Yeah, I want to know what they are. Why did nobody get you that for your wedding or get me that for my <laughs> wedding? Where was that Just shiny object? Just shoving a cabinet <laughs> up the aisle. Here we are. Here is jewels and objects. What are the objects? I mean, you got your little kind of coaster and a paperweight. People love paperweights. Mm, I'd be like, you know what? I thought these objects were going to be better. <laughs> Apparently the celebrations, again, we'll come back to the wedding night here, but the celebrations of their marriage, there was a small detail that said they carried on for, for several days. And there was a series of fireworks that killed 132 people. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know. This one detail that the Palace of Versailles reported back going, 132 people were killed by fireworks. What, did the fireworks come alive uh, and murder, <laughs> murder them? Murder, stab them. On a rampage? It's like, like Beauty and the Beast, very dark. After the first person has died due to firework. <laughs> Surely you'd be like, we need to make some changes around here. It must here. have been a display. I don't think one firework no, no, went no. off. But what 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 fireworks were you using if 130 whatever people died? Gunpowder, like clearly. <laughs> it was just cannons and guillotines. What? Yeah, guillotines and cannons being thrown up into the air. Exploding. Let's see what happens. They're only no. peasants. It's fine. <laughs> On the wedding night itself, you love this. Feast, then bedtime. And of course, there is the bedding, the official bedding. You know what bedding is? What, like having sex? No, the you know where the entire court come in. Oh my God, to watch them. Please don't yes. tell me that they, they, they actually... This is a thing with particularly nobility and the royals. So the court has to come in. The In this case, the Archbishop of Rheim blesses the bed, make it holy. And they have to all witness them getting into bed. They'll pull the curtains... They're allowed to. Beforehand, <laughs> Louis the Fifteenth, his his grandfather, gives him his own nightshirt, and then <laughs> Marie has a nightshirt given to her by the current queen. And they go, "Here are the clothes we've worn. Get into bed. These are our sex clothes. <laughs> These are our sex clothes. <laughs> they brought us great luck in the bedroom. <laughs> we had kids." <laughs> And then they're all supposed to go in and the bedding is that that you can that they can lay together in the bed next to each other. Now there are some reports that in, in other cases that they watch them 
have sex and lose their virginity. But the curtains are closed and they're all like, okay. And yeah, they're, yep, yep, totally doing it. Absolutely fine. Lying, lying together, we're in bed. They weren't. They weren't. According to reports, the marriage was unconsummated for seven years. So I know that culturally there are cultures and places where it is customary for the village as in the relations to stand outside the room yes. on the wedding night etc etc so in the case of the royals in this period of time was mm. it to ensure that the marriage was consummated to ensure that the marriage was legitimate is that yes. what it was about yeah in slightly older times it was to be seen that was it consummated so that there, there would be an heir the idea that oh, the, you have God. sex once there will be pregnancy. Yeah. So that they can lay together in the same bed that they're, yep, that's, it's all fine. It's consummated. This is now a holy marriage. It doesn't matter if you don't get pregnant or anything like that. Yeah. But it's to witness it. So it's gross. So seven <laughs> years the marriage wasn't consummated Yeah. For. They were married, as I said, in 1770. King Louis Sixteenth would ascend to the throne in 1774. Marie would become Queen of France and she takes the name Marie Antoinette. She takes the French styling. But no heirs for seven years after they had first shagged. The first few years is fine, but now that they've been crowned, come on. Now everyone is just prodding them. Come yeah. on, come on, come on. There has to be an heir. There has to be. Because it was massive, wasn't it? Like your whole oh God, yeah. royal ascension depended on you having an heir yeah. rather than anything else. You and... couldn't even enjoy your time on the throne. No. Because everybody's like, where's my son? And that's the, the wife's duty. That's her role. She will have some political standing and she will have influence at court, but she's also got to shoot out babies. Yeah. That's it. And a lot of babies. A lot of babies. Do you know how babies are born? Because I don't think they shoot out of anybody. (laughs) (laughs) They thought they did. Actually, Emma, I think you're fine. (laughs) I think you're fine. They just machine gunning out of there. there. If they can calm the womb back into place for five seconds, then there'll be babies. But this is going to start rumours. If they've not had a baby within the first year, three years after the coronation, seven years after they've been married, there's going to be rumours. The king can't get it up. The wife is a dud. The king is obviously not that interested in his wife, according to some reports. So Marie starts just sort of looking around elsewhere for fun, really. Not necessarily having an affair, as obviously loads of people said she definitely did. She's been very popular as the young wife and she leans on that popularity and she's enjoying parties and she's enjoying gambling and drinking. She is enjoying the life of a queen and the life of a hostess and the life of complete revelry. And this is where the ongoing rumours about her extravagance come out. And it was well documented about how extravagant she was because that's how all the kings and queens lived. She was famous Mm. for her fashion, her style and her spending. The Palace of Versailles is not enough. Obviously, you get your own little chateau in the grounds and then another chateau somewhere. You're just given properties. That's what happens. You just say, here's a house. You're the wife. Have several. One of the cottages she had, she apparently decorated with gold and diamonds on the wall. Stunning. Love her. (laughs) Finest of clothes, even by a queen standard. She had her own stylist create very extravagant dresses. She had 300 dresses each year because she would only wear one once. (laughs) That's the dream. I love her energy. (laughs) And I also think she's very young. Like they're very young. Mm. And this is a lot. You've got all the money in the world to play with. If I was, you know, in my late teens, early 20s as a queen, you best believe that I am going to be extravagant. Absolutely. She's going to lean into it. And she makes particular choices with her fashion that would have a huge impact on society. Now, obviously, anything the Queen wears is Mm. going to have an effect, but this had a lasting effect. She made the colour puce very popular. 
Oh, interesting. And it wasn't really the done thing at the time, but she wore puce, and this is the days of wide skirts for a long time, ruffles for days, and all the corsets. But she also championed muslin, made of muslin dresses and chemise dresses. So white, sort of shift dresses, loose, because she so she wouldn't have to wear a corset when she was kicking around. Yeah, and she quite liked that. She was like, I'm just going to wear this. It's pretty simple shift dress. It's sexy. People are like, a queen should not wear this. This is, we can see her figure. We can see it's, it's white. There's nothing else. Of course, there was the hair. Yes. So in the early days, three foot hair, three feet high it was, using wires, sticks, anything else to hold that shit up. She had her own hairstylist who was famous across the land and who was very, very happy to do the stuff. And then it would be covered in ornaments. So big plumes of feathers she liked. Oh. Uh, boats, ships, cannon. Little tiny mini cannons, not she's, huge cannons. She's shooting peasants <laughs> yes. with her hair cannons. They would. We, we've spoken of it before on the show, but this is how extravagant the hair pieces would be. You just covered them with ornaments and, and little bits and pieces. And if you were the queen, you could do what you like because it's a statement. Piece. Yes. She would say she would dress as an actress to go out so people could hiss at her. Oh, mm. she honestly, she is a bit of a vibe. Style icon. Now, the country... At this time, we are all building up to the French Revolution. So at this time in her life, there is the rising poverty, Mm. the cost of bread, obviously supplies, people finding it very easy to start turning against a very extravagant queen, where they tolerated this for years beforehand. And despite her supposed kind nature, they feel like, okay, when we see the monarchy doing this, you're driving the country into debt. That's a very succinct way of doing it, but that's the feeling that is emerging. And and if you are if you can't feed your family, mm. it doesn't matter how kind the queen is, if she's got fucking yeah. cannons and feathers in her hair and a house made of gold and diamonds, you're going to be like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. You're supposed to be leading your people and we're dying out here. In the build-up to the French Revolution, peasants are sort of 80%, like the majority of the country... And then the upper classes, the middle classes are spending and being really extravagant and enjoying the enlightenment, enjoying everything that comes with it. And they're feeling like, well, we're just going to go for the monarchy and Mm. we don't like absolute power and we don't like this regime. We are starving. Very short way of saying it. And there's a lot more nuance behind it. So this sentiment is building up and she's the symbol of it for a time. And, you know, the other monarchy around it. Eventually, eventually she starts producing children. 1778, she has her first child, makes the public very happy. Apparently, the only reason they started consummating their marriage is that her brother, the king's brother-in-law, had a little chat with him. A little chat with him. And, hmm, enjoy this. The brother would later recount what the king had said to him and he said what what are you doing in the bedroom why haven't you had an heir and he described their process as um he introduces the member but stays there without moving for about two minutes then withdraws without having completed the act and bids good night Oh. oh, I mean, it's, oh, 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 we'll just leave it there for a bit. Oh, no. I don't even know how I can even make jokes about no, that. The jokes, the jokes they make themselves. What? Are, like, good night. At least he said good night. Yes. That's very polite. Yes. <laughs> what? So Joseph has a few words of going, here's, here's the essential bits yeah. that you're missing. Suddenly babies galore, babies galore. He was like, oh, really? All the way in? I, and out again? And then I again. find it. <laughs> wild that well, he I mean that is the rumour people can make all wow. sorts of assumptions about why they didn't get it on but then she did start producing children and she like producing children yeah. it seems like a horrible thing to say the way of saying it but then she fell pregnant well, so something changed something changed something changed critics would have it that she had then at that moment started having an affairs and were her children 
the kings. I didn't even think of that. It it does seem, being really blunt about it, why would Nevaeh's appeared beforehand? Yeah. Why would she have chosen at that period of time? But it's also seemingly ludicrous that the king did not know how to have sex. But it's it that almost sounds like negative propaganda as well. Do you know what I mean? The king is so ludicrous mm. that he didn't know how to have sex. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Stories on both sides get very warped over the years. But even with her children, her apparent decision as well, she became much more devout to her children. She toned down all the extravagance, wore very plain stuff. She she toned down the hair. The hair was quite short. Actually, she lost a lot of her hair as well because of ill health and also childbirth. The hair fell out. Mm. Her popularity was declining. She was the subject of gossip. Pamphlets were being produced based on all of her sexual exploits with various members of the court and people that she knew and all sorts of rumours are going around and people laughing at her. The extravagant, stupid, lascivious and foreign queen. She was Austrian. Yes, she was Austrian, of course. Good time to drop in a little factoid for those who've been shouting at their phone. Do you know the phrase that's associated with Marie Antoinette? Well, because she famously, allegedly said... (laughs) Let them eat cake. But she didn't, did she? Apparently not true. No, she didn't. So this was a phrase that was attributed to her in the height of the revolution Mm. that when she heard people were starving on the streets, she flippantly said, let them eat cake because they couldn't afford bread. How cruel, what a horrible bitch. Then it changed into, was she actually saying, qu'ils mangent de la brioche? So brioche is buttery, eggy bread. And there was actually a law at the time that made the price of brioche the same as bread she was like well just let them have an alternative yeah but none of this is true she didn't say it it was only 50 years after she died that someone attributed a quote that was written by a writer Jean-Jacques Ressonneau I believe his name is who referred to a great princess saying the words let them eat cake yeah about her peasants and then everyone went that's Marie Antoinette and of course she's been seen as living this extravagant lifestyle she would be likely to say something like, <laughs> let them eat cake because she's so out of touch. She's the out of touch Absolutely. queen, of course. So it's very easy to attribute to her. There is no evidence that she said that at all. So that's why cake couldn't be the ingredient this week, mm. Mm, even though we've said it many times. But even without cake-based insults, Marie and the monarchy are facing trouble because of the affair of the diamond necklace. So it is now 1784. The jewellers, Boré and Bazange, have this huge necklace, they're desperate to unload. They think the new king. Shit, I forgot about the necklace. <laughs> oh, yeah. You see how I bring it back? Yeah, well done. That was good storytelling. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Drew you in. Yeah, it's just, you really Marie did. Antoinette is fascinating. I love writing about this sort of time period and de- delving into it, even though it's just scratching the surface. Back to the necklace. They are going to approach King Louis the Sixteenth. Hello, we've noticed that your wife, uh, she loves shiny shit. She loves fancy, fancy stuff. Would you like this necklace that costs two million livres? That is equivalent of about 11 million pounds today. Some have put it down as 100 million pounds. Might be, might be. They're like, fancy, fancy necklace, fit for a king. You're the only people who can afford this. Dear God, please take this necklace. We spent years making it. King goes, nah, nah, I'm good. I'm good. They're like, okay, we'll sweeten the deal. (laughs) We'll drop the price to 1.6 million livre. Okay, you're not hearing me right now. No, doesn't want it. Doesn't want it. Now, depending who you listen to, there's three versions of that. Some say the queen herself turned it down because at this time she's saying we need more battleships than we do necklaces. We should not be spending the money on necklaces. We need to be spending the money on ships. Well, she was not wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Noble. Good. Good. The king just going, Nah, I don't want to spend any money on her. And she's jumping up and down behind him going, but I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Or the third option is, 
I don't want the cast-offs of Madame de Berry. Well, <laughs> I have to say, as a as the resident petty bitch on this podcast, <laughs> I would either be like, I don't want her cast-offs, mm. or I'd be like, give me the necklace, and then I'd take selfies in the necklace and post them on social media. Bring her back to court. Yeah, I'd be equivalent. like, oh, Hi, just wanted mm. to see how you were and catch up. And I'm just wearing the necklace and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> so whichever version, let's go with that one. I don't want her cast offs. But so, I, I also like the battleship version because yeah, I like the idea that she's, that reasonable. she's reasonable, that she's recognizing that, you know, France is at war mm. a lot of the time in this period of history with England and England famously, as Napoleon said, they fight war at sea. Yeah. And she's thinking, hang on, we need to figure this out. And that's prime what we're money on. I like that version of her. Yeah. Let's go with that. I do also like the petty bitch. I like the petty bitch too. The the jeweler made a scene at court. Beaumaire apparently was sobbing his eyes out, yelling, swooning and threatening to do away with himself unless the queen took the necklace off his hands. (laughs) Didn't work. Yeah, I, I, She's I like, don't think they're going to be that interested. <laughs> Have you, no. you know the bit in um, what you call it, The Emperor's New Groove, where he's like, <laughs> sorry, am I supposed to care that you don't have a, what is it? And the peasant is like, food. food. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I feel like it's like in the courtroom. <laughs> Very much so. So shitting shit, the jewelers now go, okay, we have to get rid of this thing and the king doesn't want it. We need to make our money back. Enter Jeanne de Valois Saint-Rémy, also known as the Comtesse Oh, I think that's time for a drink. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Emma, we have our drinks. I have my drink. <laughs> I have my drink too. Yay. What are you drinking for your second half? Oh, I just got a G&T. Oh. I would have made another cocktail, but there's a lot. So we are with Jean... De Valois Saint-Rémy. Good name, good name, good name. I'm going to call her Jean from here on in. I can't keep doing that. So let me tell you a bit about Jean. So she was born into poverty, but from a noble family. Ish. Her father was a descendant of Henry II of France. So King Henry II, he's a descendant from one of Henry's illegitimate but acknowledged children. So they are nobility, but daddy is a drunkard. And a gambler, and he sort of throws his money away. So his children, he has six children, three of them die. But Jean is one of the ones who lives, surprisingly. And they grow up sort of barefoot, begging, not in a good way. But they end up sort of being rescued by good benefactors. And there is the easiest way to describe this at Palais de Versailles. They have a kind of a program to benefit the children of noble families who have no money. But she is basically rescued by this and she ends up getting an allowance of 900 livres a year and she's sent to a convent, like getting an education. So she's sort of taken care of because she's a descendant of Mm. Henry, Henri. And they send her off to sort of this convent to sort of get an education. She doesn't want to be a nun. No, 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 she doesn't want to be a nun. She is going to go and have a good time. And she's going to run around and she's going to use her wiles to have a lot of fun. She marries a man named... (sighs) Mark Anthony Nicolas de Lemo, while she's eight months pregnant. Oh. Whether it's, we don't know. She unfortunately would lose those children that she was oh. pregnant with. Her husband claimed to have noble blood, whether he did or not, it's debatable, but they chose to style themselves as the Comte and Comtesse. Oh. These sound like my kind of people. (laughs) They're just going to go with it. Go with it, go with it, go with it. Husband not really providing enough money, but she wants a fancier lifestyle. So she's going to find ways of supporting them. So she's going to mix with the wealthy people. She's going to, again, use her wiles, use her cunning to talk to everyone and ingratiate herself into court. And she's also got ideas that she can probably ask for a larger allowance from the king and queen themselves and she can get an audience with them. She has these sort of delusion that she can have an audience with Marie Antoinette. No way that that's going to happen. Marie Antoinette's like, who's this woman? Her attendants will tell her. And she's like, is she a blow birth? No, no, no. We're not not talking to her. But she's going to work her way round court otherwise. She was described as being slender with small breasts. Which was nice at the time. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Uh, and nothing else. Nothing, nothing, else. nothing else about her matters. Uh, white skin. Oh, okay. Chestnut brown hair. Limpid blue eyes. Like limpid pools. Oh, yes. Okay. Well, yeah, because um, these these descriptions are not... <laughs> they're, they're, they're not like today, on me. You're like... Because well, I'm like, I mean, what? <laughs> What's going on there? She's not hot. I'm not swiping for her on Tinder. <laughs> she had a winning smile. Well, put that in your bio when I think about it. <laughs> I'm slender with very small breasts. <laughs> she probably would look great in clothes. See, this is mm. the thing, right? Paris Fashion Week, she's all over Oh it. my God. Yeah. She could run through a field. Yes, yes. <gasps> oh, yeah. She would take a 
man named Ro de Villette as her lover. He was a con man and a pimp. Can I just say, everybody in, in Paris at this time, right? Everybody's <laughs> having lovers. Yeah. I mean, how are you surviving poverty and having a lover? You how need to shag. No, I'm not saying you don't need to shag. But I feel like your time is taken up with trying to survive, but yet you still have a husband <laughs> and a lover. That's because when you get hungry, it consumes your day yeah, no, entirely. It does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you can't cope. No, I can't. No, I really <laughs> They've can't. lived with it. They're just oh, a bit yeah. hungry all the time. She's skinny with small breasts. Everyone loves it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's working on that look. Okay. <laughs> and not only that, like the lover, like the husband knows. They all live together. It's menage a trois. Oh, God, I hate this so much. I <laughs> They're all back. shagging. They're not my kind of people. I take it back. <laughs> why, why, why was that the line? <laughs> because I can't even watch people having sex on films, right? It gives me the ick. So I'm not living in a house with people having a menage a trois, okay? That's too much admin. It's too much admin. I'm You're hungry. Yeah. You're grouchy. And I'm always going to be worried that somebody's going to kick off. <laughs> right, I'm always okay. going to be worried that something's going to be the step too far. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> And then okay. I'm just going to be in the middle of this row that I, <laughs> that I never consented to and I didn't want to be in the middle of in the first place. And I would have said from the beginning, I don't think it's a good idea to conduct this affair so publicly. I would have said that from the beginning, okay? I'm sure that was going through her mind. Sure I think they're perhaps, they've thrown caution to the wind. They're like, we're starving, yeah, but we we're don't fancy. Care. And we're going to cry and screw over the Queen of France. Yeah, they really have big ambitions. But anyway, yeah. So... She tried to gain an audience with the Queen, as I said, didn't really work. So she makes her way around court as best she can, and she meets the prestigious Cardinal de Rowan. Now, the Cardinal is from a good family. He is a Cardinal. He has the ear of the Pope. Mm-hmm. Doesn't live a particularly holy life. No, they didn't really in them days. Not really many, many, many lovers and yeah. partying and everything. And he meets her, instantly smitten. She will be his mistress. Absolutely. Now, he had once been the French ambassador to Vienna. So he had met Marie Antoinette's mother, Maria, spectacularly failed to impress both of them. Having had quite a longish political and religious career, he completely messes up any relations there. He goes to Vienna. He talks to Marie Antoinette's mother about Marie Antoinette. That does not endear him to her it's like why are you telling my mother stuff even though we're like, don't tell her stuff and then he also writes about Marie Antoinette's mother in correspondence which is found out and gets back to the queen going right you're slagging off my mother now so you are a dick you I don't want to see you at court I can't ban you from court because you're from a prestigious family but I don't you are out of my favor I want nothing to do with you so you know you don't have to be banned from court or exiled but it's enough to be like yeah. oh I am not in favor and he is obsessed with getting back in he is I need to win her favor this is awful this is awful and with Jean as his mistress, he confides all of this to her. He talks about how he's desperate to get back into the Queen's favour. Top tip, when you're with a woman, don't talk about the other woman that you're yeah, obsessed with. But don't eh, do that. Well, no, but for Jean, she sees an opportunity. She comes up with a scheme, and I love this. She's already presented herself as a woman of nobility who has been welcomed to court. And she's made that very clear to the cardinal. You know, I am you know, absolutely accepted at court. And she tells him that she was graced with an audience with Marie, with the Queen, that we have met and we have corresponded and we have become good friends. And she brings the Cardinal copies of letters that the Queen has written to her. Humble as I am, we are writing to each other and I'm really very proud. And he looks at the letters and he's like, that's Marie Antoinette's handwriting. Oh my goodness. So you're my way in. 
you're my way into the queen. This is amazing. So yeah, I will use whatever influence I can to win the queen over for you. And he believes every word. And he's like, yep, yep, yep. Keep writing to her. And like, can, can you get her to write to me? Of course the queen's not written to her at all. Jean has taken it to her forger lover, the con man who's living with him. And he has faked Marie Antoinette's handwriting. Whatever that could look like. Vaguely looking like the queen's handwriting and her signature. And the cardinal believes every word of it. This beautiful, beautiful woman who seems to have noble birth and she has got the confidence of Marie Antoinette. We can only assume that Jean is a master storyteller. And famously small breasts. Famously small breasts. Shout out to all the small titted ladies out there yeah. as well. We love you. We see you. The itty bitty titty committee, <laughs> I believe is the official term. Carlos has no issues with his notes and he asked Jean, can I write to her as well? And she's like, yep, she has, she has allowed it. She, she will accept letters. And in these letters, he expresses his absolute devotion to the Queen. He is so sorry for any wrongs in the past. His undying loyalty. And the Queen responds with kindness and warmth. Such warmth that the Cardinal goes, Oh my God, the Queen is in love with me. She totally loves me. It's going so well. Jean is so happy for them. Oh my God, it's wonderful. I'm so glad I've orchestrated this. You know what would be really good? Is that if you give me whopping great sums of cash, I'll donate them to the Queen's charities and that's going to curry favour even more. He's like, yes, take my money. Here's my wallet. Go. Jean, straight out. Living up in society. Spending the cash. Telling everyone that she is a good friend of the Queen's. Who's going to check? Who's going to check? No, absolutely. She is buying the drinks and she's walking the walk. Nobody worries about it. Nobody worries at all. And also people fucking hate the queen as well. So like, yep, love it. The letters continue and the queen begins to tell the cardinal of her struggles, particularly the fact that she wants to buy this famous diamond necklace forged for Louis XV. But her husband, Louis XVI, won't let her buy it. Cardinal sympathizes and maybe he could help to put up the cash and orchestrate this but but wouldn't it be wonderful that they can meet in person under cover of darkness and in secret just to be in her presence he would do anything uh-huh. meet the queen you've been writing to okay writes Jean. they orchestrate a meeting in the garden of the palace of versailles the cardinal turns up under cover of darkness allegedly and he sees the queen there <gasps> He sees her, she's dressed in white, as she always did, her beautiful, beautiful brown hair. And her head is bowed under her headdress. But it's it's her. It oh, looks I like mean, her. Clearly. It's it's her. And she presents it with a rose, an exchange of rose, and a letter. She utters but a few words, like one or two words to him. But he is overjoyed. He reads the correspondence and he's just professing that he, he loves her and he will do anything, anything for the loyalty of his queen. And she tells him, she has forgiven him of all his past indiscretions and they will be firm friends from there on in it may shock you to learn that this is not the queen emma no way no this is a prostitute named nicole lequay d'oliva <laughs> so they've gotten somebody else involved to be like you need to pretend to be the queen in, oh yeah in the gardens of versailles don't ask questions all right well this is just a whole thing that we've got going on and the, this obviously this woman is like well you you pay me and I'll do it. Fine. 100%. Oh my God, I love this. Cardinal needs a hobby. <laughs> Jean, this sex worker, Nicole, she did look like Marie Antoinette. It was remarked upon regularly. She was a spitting image. Uh, Jean knows this. Hires her. She'd been hired many times 
to play the queen for people. Oh, I can. Oh, I bet she got great business playing the queen. And she just thinks it's another gig. Yeah, apparently Nicole knows nothing about any of the intrigue behind it. She doesn't know that this cardinal's being conned. She is just there to play the queen of France and stand there and look all coquettish. And the cardinal's saying all this. And she's like, it's just another little fetish. Yeah, yeah, fine, 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 yeah. Let's do that. I'll get paid. What does it matter? Yeah. I do like the fact that they sort of say she doesn't really speak that much because I imagine her to have that that, that Simpsons voice. Freshen your drink, governor. Hello. He'd be like, oh, I, oh something's not right here. <laughs> I know she's French, but she was definitely from the streets of Sussex. Have I been, ha- sorry, again, have you seen Les Mis? They're all cocky. <laughs> yes, that's a good point. How do you do? My name's Gavroche. <laughs> well, she's singing a lot for a queen. <laughs> or she's not. Or she's English and she's going, bonjour. May we la sexy sex. <laughs> But it works, Emma. It works. Oh. Again, the cardinal needs a hobby. <laughs> the cardinal needs a hobby. This is his hobby now. After this meeting, the cardinal is is firmly on board. He goes to Jean and he says, "Buy the necklace, make the arrangements, whatever the queen wants. I will help her fund, get her this this magnificent necklace because he's a very wealthy man." And off Jean goes to the jewelers. Well, she's actually been there before because she's been working with the jewelers, not on this con, but she has been going to them and saying, "I." have influence with the court and I think I can help you make this deal with the queen and obviously he's been falling around the court swooning and crying yep. and throwing up and whatever being like <laughs> please dear god take this necklace and give me the money we spent years yeah. making it so he's gonna be like oh, yeah says to her thank you thank you do you want a commission and she's like oh wait I shouldn't oh, oh, oh go on then I'll take a commission for this goes to them, shows them letters from the Queen, inverted commas, confirming she wants to buy the jewels. She cannot be seen spending such great sums of cash in this day and age. Mm. So the Cardinal is going to act as the intermediary. Jeanne is there to help facilitate everything. It's all put through. In January 1785, the necklace is handed to the Cardinal, who gives it to Jeanne to deliver to the Queen. Of course, Jeanne just goes back to her husband. They smash it to pieces and then they sell all of the jewels as best they can across Paris and London. <sighs> Just divide it up, smash it up. Which was Clever, something... Because I was thinking, right, they're going to get this big fuck-off necklace. Like, what are they going to do with it? Like, how you're not going to sell that. Nobody's going to have the money to buy no, it. People are going to know. And they broke it up. That's clever. Sell it on the black market. Something that Marie Antoinette had suggested years before when the jeweler was saying, what do we do with this necklace? She was like, well, just break it up and just like, sell the jewels on. I can't believe they didn't. Mm. I think they time. were convinced that they could sell it all yes. for these millions. That was their folly. So the jewellers, time has come to pay. Where's my first instalment? Cardinal's not giving them any money and nothing's coming from the Queen. Okay, months pass. Months pass with no payment. And the jewellers not only are expecting to have had money through from the Cardinal, who is supposed to be paid by the Queen, they, they should have seen these jewels out in society. People should have been talking about it. Her wearing these jewels out should have been the talk of the town. Irritated by this, the jewellers write to the Queen. The Queen throws the letters away from them. Like, I don't. This is another ploy for me to get them to buy that yeah. fucking necklace. Until they write to her lady in waiting and say, we, we, "Why hasn't she worn these jewels out? And this was supposed to have been paid for. I'm really sorry, but whoever has bought these for you is not giving us the money." And they're like, "What? What's going on?" And they realise an elaborate ruse has been constructed. And the cardinal is invited to the palace in August that year. So, so eight months later. 
And he's so excited. He's so oh, happy. And do you know what? He's going to look like such a knob. I'm sorry. <laughs> Full road. She already, she already hates him. Her ma <laughs> even hates him. And now he's like, oh, he's at the center of this necklace. Situ- yeah. situation what an absolute knob he's turned up in all of his robes all of his regalia oh, I'm so embarrassed he's so for him. happy he comes into the hall of mirrors the famous hall of mirrors in the palais and he's confronted by the king and the queen he's like yay he was supposed to officiate something that day and the, qu- the king confronts him and goes what the hell is going on with this necklace in so many words what what is he doing he's tried to steal this necklace and you're blaming the queen the king will have nothing said against the queen they really really are firm in their marriage and this continues actually even after this scandal they're very supportive of each other when the cardinal splutters and goes but, but, the, but the, the comtesse Jean, she, 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 she's the queen's good friend I've just been only acting on the queen's wishes the queen wanted this and the king's going what the are you saying about my wife and he hands over a letter and he says no no but she's written to me look, look, look this is her handwriting and the king's seething looks at the letter and goes, you realise this is signed, it's a very fine detail here, Marie-Antoinette de France. It's like, yeah. (laughs) Royals never sign their full title. They use their baptismal name when they're signing letters. Why didn't you know that? You're a cardinal and you have preached about etiquette your whole life and you don't know how the royals sign a letter. And there's a really small detail, (gasps) but as the king is standing there going... You should know this. And you're, you're in. You, if you were Marie Antoinette, you would stand there going, "This is why nobody likes you." <laughs> and it's like you believed this. It's such a small detail, and look at what's happened. So the cardinal is dragged away to the Bastille, ready for trial. He sends word home: destroy all my papers. I don't know whether they managed to or not. So the authorities then track down Jean. They track down her husband as well. They get Nicole, the prostitute. They also drag some people into it that the Crown hated. And they blamed for this court case that had nothing to do with it. There was a really weird aside that I won't go into massively. But there's a man, Count Alessandro di Cagliostro, I think... Who was an occultist, a mystic, who did all sorts of weird occulty shit, and they wanted to get him for something. They put him in the Bastille for nine months, accused of this, and he had nothing <laughs> they to were just do like, with it. You know that guy who does all the witchy shit? We hate that guy. <laughs> we grabbed him off the street. Yeah, come on, you. Yeah. And, he's, and like, he's like, what? They <laughs> <laughs> let him out after a while, like, oh, you're fine, come on. <laughs> the cardinal is judged by the judges in Paris. So he's judged by Parliament, not by the Pope. Pope got annoyed at that. wrote to him and said you should be judged by me and all of this is not good news for the monarchy even though the king and the queen say no no no, you know put the trial in public because we want our names cleared all this does is put this trial in the public eye could have been done behind closed doors it's a sensation the the scandal of this necklace of all of this plotting and this attempt to buy it and give it to the queen but the queen knows nothing about it it doesn't really matter to the public because they all think, no, the Queen was behind it. Oh, of course they do, because they already don't yeah. like her. They think she was a schemer. She was the one behind it. What ends up happening is Jean, the Comtesse, is found guilty of everything. She is whipped. She is branded on both shoulders with a V for the French word for thief. Yeah. And she's given life imprisonment to the prison of prostitutes. Can I just say, the branding feels extraneous considering you're getting life in prison yeah there we go that's what i I thought i would have thought the branding was like you know when you when you go forth in life people will always Mm. know that you're a thief if you're in prison you're in prison right yeah do you know what i mean well she's not in prison for long a year later she breaks out disguised as a boy oh i love her (laughs) she fucks off to london 
Good for her. Mm, writes her memoirs. The rest of them, her lover is exiled. Her husband was found guilty in absentia. He wasn't even there. Condemned to be a galley slave. Oh, he didn't, he didn't do anything, really. He's just there. Yeah, he's just there. Cardinal acquitted. Acquitted. Uh, just an, uh, just duped. He's an idiot. That, in a way, that feels worse. It's more embarrassing to be like, I'm actually... I know, obviously, right? Nobody wants to be in prison for life. Nobody wants no. to be a galley slave, blah, blah, blah. But now everyone knows that you're a moron. You're an absolute idiot. Even though he's acquitted, the king exiles him to one of the cardinal's own properties in the south of France. It's just like, just get out of our sight. He was never allowed back into court, as far as I can see, actually. I was going to say, in this time period, being exiled doesn't seem too bad. <laughs> it is. Go to your palace in the oh, south of France. No. Oh, oh, please, no. But to Don't him, make me go to my palace with all my servants oh, my and all of in my it. stuff there. <laughs> House arrest. Oh, I just sit here and have snacks. You know, when we watched Napoleon and he was exiled to Elba, right? Yeah. Um, which apparently is a really nice island. <sighs> Was it really that bad? And he's like, this is hell. I need to leave. It. <laughs> I'll come back to that. I have notes on that. But yeah, Cardinal exiled. But he never got to get back into court. And that's what he wanted. Because yeah. the guy who was a social climber never got that. Nicole, the prostitute, cleared of all charges. Yay! Yay! She didn't do anything. She was no, just acting. She was, the question. Yeah. They clearly thought she's useful. <laughs> As I said, Jean, she escaped. She would go to live in London. She died in London after falling out a window trying to escape some debt collectors. Oh, no. She died, I think she it was did not learn. two years before the death of the Queen. Even though the Queen was found to be entirely blameless, the people of France firmly believed she was behind yeah. the entire plot. It was all they needed, the last straw for many, who saw the Queen as corrupt and a spendthrift. Her popularity plummeted after this. She rarely appeared in public again. Even though her and the king got closer, her reputation never recovered. And historians have credited the affair of the diamond necklace as the beginning of the end for the king and the queen. Marie Antoinette would go to the guillotine in 1793, 10 months after her husband had met the same fate. It's mad to think that the final straw was genuinely something she had nothing to do with. Mm. You know, like obviously there's there's series of events it's not just that one event yeah. that caused the public sway to change etc <laughs> etc et and people didn't like her beforehand they certainly weren't going to like her afterwards yeah but i would be pissed off <laughs> if i was married i'd be like i actually wasn't involved in this and this is the thing that's really going to make my popularity plummet. Yeah. are you joking me never said let me let them eat cake never said that never said that never said so that. what's going on there <laughs> all right at the time no one knew that that was going to be a thing yeah <laughs> but yeah people are divided uh, rightly or wrongly that marie antoinette on one hand is just she was a monarch she was doing the same thing as other monarchs beforehand in the wrong place at the wrong time certainly extravagant but yeah. it's what the aristocracy had done and then revolution came and others do think that she didn't give a shit about the people. She was just being blind to the public outcry, to the poverty that was absolutely tearing through France, to the famine that had taken place at different times. This all built up to a revolution and the revolution was absolutely a, just a cacophony and a bloody rhino crash of mania. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fight for the rights of the people. Ooh, it's gone a bit far. Yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. The reign of terror got a little bit much. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're getting into dictator status here, but it was people who had been starving. Yeah. Absolutely starving and having to watch the aristocracy going, we're better than you. And being so 
wildly out of touch, having wildly. no concept. Yeah. And in fairness, like things not to get political, but things aren't very different now. You've mm. got people in power mm. who, you know, have gone to private schools who yeah. not that there's anything wrong with going to private schools, that's not what I'm saying. But then they're in power and they're not aware of yeah. what it is to go and buy a loaf of bread in yeah. the shop like genuinely <laughs> or use a hammer or y- use a hammer <laughs> and I keep seeing people being like if you had any critical thought in your head you would know that he was told to use it that way blah, 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 blah. and it's like shut up I just want to laugh at him alright <laughs> I just want to laugh at him but then you That's end the up UK situation with, with people being like what these people know nothing about what it's like to be a real person yeah living in this country and, it and they didn't they, they, they didn't they didn't really have any concept of no that. and i can only imagine that everybody you know if you've got 80 percent of the people in france at that time are living mm. in essentially in essentially in peasantry right mm. you've got 80 percent and them. the rising seeing the rising cost of stuff yeah. again like like we have now yeah and then i'd imagine if you're you're the monarchy and you're living the high life and you're like oh but i'm i'm, I'm having a really nice time yeah uh, and where do i start yeah. Where where do I start? And they don't have any concept of being cold or on the streets mm. or hungry. They've no con- they can't even imagine that because they've never lived that mm. ever. Where do you start? You need an advisor <laughs> to come in who's somebody who's like, you know, from the streets. <laughs> also like just have the biggest palace that there is, Versailles. Just have that. Yes. Don't keep giving your wife more palaces. She got like several homes, several, several homes. Yeah. And people just heard about this. Like, oh yeah, there's another palace and she's going to spend thousands decorating it. You don't blame people for kind of going, okay, that's it. Yeah, and we- so yeah, interesting points about her execution, which we did see in Napoleon. Yes. Uh, she was wearing a white dress. Her hair was white. It, she had, it turned white from her time in prison and after her husband's yeah. death. Her hair was cut off when she went to the guillotine and her last words were to the executioner who was the son of Charles-Henri Sanson who we featured on the podcast before. Ha ha, interesting. She stood on his foot accidentally. Ah, yes. And her last words were, please excuse me, I didn't mean that on purpose. I actually knew that. Yeah, Yeah. she didn't mean to. She just went, I'm not trying to be a bitch. But she walked out with great dignity, they said, and she was hurled abuse at. I guess it's the only thing she would have had left. Well, people wanted her... To, yeah. to scream and to beg for her life yeah. and everything and she went up and yeah that was it but yes that is the story of the affair of the diamond necklace da, da, da. there was way too many people having sex with way too many people in that story <laughs> everyone was having sex with everyone yeah. it was france i like to be sex positive but stop it <laughs> stop that stop having Kay? sex because you know what happens a revolution happens and loads of people will die <laughs> everyone gets horny and yeah. then everyone goes we can have sex with everybody yeah and then, then or they kill everyone yeah. if you can't have sex with everyone you kill everyone and that's yeah. kind of what happened that that sounds like, like it's exactly mm. what happened but yeah good note about uh, yeah napoleon when he was exiled to elba yes and in the film in saint helena they showed his lovely little house that he was staying in and they made it all lovely white and lovely, you know, kind of voile curtains in there. No, no, he had a damp house. He had a damp house covered with sort of uh, red flocked wallpaper and people thought the wallpaper had arsenic in it. Oh, and that's what killed him. It wasn't what killed him. He did have respiratory and heart disease and stuff yeah. like that. He had arsenic in his system all his life. Probably would have been breathing it in or taking it in as various medicines. So people think that he was killed by his wallpaper, but he wasn't in an Oscar Wilde kind of way. 
Oh um, yes, yeah. this wallpaper <laughs> goes, or I go. do. But yeah, every time they show sort of, oh, it was white and clean. No, it wasn't. It was damp and it was horrible, and he fucking hated that house. He was miserable yeah, at the well, end in St Helena. He's like, it's, everything's horrible, and they were like, well, what the fuck are you gonna do? Yeah. Well, Bony. you know, good for him because because <laughs> seriously, he you got off pretty easily being exiled to his house in St Helena. Like, come on, <laughs> look at this little cat though. Oh, oh Frank's come yeah. up to make a little appearance. Oh, he's so cute. Well, he's a tiger, really, isn't he? Yeah, Stripey. he's, just he's such a, good a good boy. Boy, don't walk on my laptop. <laughs> don't you, ruin you this. Come over here to me, and we'll be oh, we'll be good friends. But you can't walk on my laptop. Oh, Emma's got a kitten now. That's well, I've got a kitten. The end. There we are. That is the story of the affair of the diamond necklace. A little bit about Marie Antoinette, but what? Do you think, people, what do you think of the scandal that surrounded Marie Antoinette? Maybe you're a big lover of the French Revolution history or French history at all. Maybe just interested in Marie Antoinette's big hair Mm. or diamond necklaces and all the people who were plotting. I love that plot and I think it's so well executed from a really, really stupid cardinal such as life tell us what you think jump on the comments of this episode and share your thoughts your theories your feelings share more suggestions of stories but most importantly I think they should mix up a French diamond yeah I think so too if you liked it Mm. that's a good sign yeah I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> like, well, because well my, I mean, it's not poison. Because it, you can pretty much give it to children if I like it, <laughs> you know? We should. Yes. <laughs> it's a nice combination of all the good things. I think Nick would love it, so we'll yes. have to serve him up one soon. The recipe will be out this weekend. Oh my God, do you hear that? What was that? That was just ice, wasn't it? Do you hear the people sing? <laughs> Singing the songs of angry men. <laughs> It is the Fuck music off. of a people who will not be slaves again. I've been waiting for ages to do that. <laughs> so Frank told me to do it. Frank told you to do it. <laughs> Join us in singing hits from Lamez. Send us your favorite songs. If you haven't already, please consider joining us on Patreon and leave us a review on Apple iTunes if you can. And also, if you want to hear more from Emma, oh yes, where would we hear from you? If you search Real Life Ghost Stories anywhere that you get podcasts, I my dulcet tones are there telling ghost stories. Mm. The end. <gasps> Frank is purring on my knee. <laughs> He's loving it. <laughs> the end of the tale with cat purrs. Thanks for listening, guys. We have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember... Your loved ones are trying to kill you. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.